Dr. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality, presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and what I do is I talk about weird stuff every seventh episode. But when I talk about weird stuff, I am never alone. I am always joined by, well, one particular guest star, the co-host and co-founder and former ufologist, Mr. Chris Honeywell. How are you, sir? Good. I think this is like my, at least my third UFO podcast. I'm loving it. Um, it may actually be your third just with me. Just with you? Yeah. Okay, so that might be like five or six of them. Well, I mean... I know I've done at least two with Gardner with the Freak Files. And I loved those episodes. I mean, I know you can't do this, uh, more episodes about the same old bullshit every time, but... I, you know, I, I, at the same time, I wouldn't say no to, to more of those. That, Like, there are very few podcasts that actually have, like, at least in my opinion, there are very few that have repeat listen value. But those do. So, good job. I have to go and repeat listen to it because I, I want to, I, I, every, every, not every night, but a lot of nights, I go to bed around, you know, one o'clock. But, you know, um, I work at a restaurant, so I have to take a shower before I go to bed because I'm just filthy from work. Oh, so I usually hop in the shower around 1 a.m., which is when Coast to Coast comes on. And, I mean, Coast to Coast is not what it used to be with Art Bell. May he rest and, in peace. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and Art Bell has passed since the last time we talked about UFOs. Mm-hmm. And, um, since the last time we talked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And... Um, and I, and I usually listen to the first half hour of, of Coast to Coast or, you know, the time I'm in the shower and getting ready for bed. And uh, if it's really something actually really interesting is coming out, which is very rarely lately, um, I'll turn it on in the radio in my room and listen to it as I fall asleep. But, uh, at, you know, every night when it starts up, that Giorgio Moroder music starts up the, the um, Midnight Express theme. And uh, it always makes me think of that, of like try, trying to mix that first Freak Files like uh, an Art Bell episode, you know, with the with the bumper music and the and the crackle, and the occasional the crackle of the radio, and yeah. you know, and uh, I I really miss that. But I um, I will actually probably be getting back to that topic once we start getting into the the meat of this. Speaking of, um, for those of you who just suck at reading the the notes for for the (laughs) podcast, basically what happened was it was a a couple weeks ago. um, I I basically had the brilliant idea of challenging Chris with uh, a little bit of a little bit of a thought experiment, right? And basically goes a little something, something like this. What if the United States government discloses tomorrow what is the end of that like what happens and i don't mean like what not necessarily like what does the government do but i mean like what what do what what does your neighbor do what does the governor of your state do um what for that matter might foreign countries do you know you basically the way i wanted to kind of frame this was there are certain things that the United States government discloses, just hypothetically, and then just kind of game it out, you know, like um, how many people are going to die, basically, is what it comes down to. And right, right. Chris thought that sounded kind of interesting, and so basically, 
the way that I've the, the way that I want to uh, approach this is basically set down three simple facts. All right, and this is going to be what the what the government discloses, and then just let Chris go to town with it, and then I can go to town with it, and then we'll just you know see where the conversation goes. But basically, three simple facts that we're working off of here. Just imagine there's a huge press conference and some jack off from the Joint Chiefs of Staff or, or whoever would make this kind of an, uh, an announcement mm -hmm. basically comes to the microphone and he reveals three simple things. Only these three, these three things and nothing else. Only these three, these three things are revealed in this press conference. Fact number one, aliens exist. Fact number two, aliens have visited Earth. Fact number three, the United States government has taken active measures to cover up facts number one and number two. That's what gets revealed. That's all that gets revealed. So with that kind of disclosure in the background, Chris, in your opinion, no what is the end of that? Like what happens? No yeah, pictures, no, just, just verbal statements, just, no pictures, no specific instance, just those three things. Because I figured that's what they would do, like just to start. They would get into specifics later on, but they would want right. they would want the public to get comfortable with this, I guess, in the abstract before they started talking about, well, there was this one time at Dulles Airport or whatever it was back in the 50s. And there's already there's there's been in the last what, six to eight months. And and it's I think it's mainly around that Blink 182 guy, but he's also working with a bunch of, you know, ex CIA military like people with actual real credentials not weird art bell guests that like <laughs> say oh yeah well i worked at area 51 but they you yeah, know Bob they don't Lazar, have a record yeah. of me because of course they wouldn't keep a record of me and and they said i worked there as a janitor but you know of course they would say that so the but you know they've been sort of you know dipping their you know just sort of nibbling at the edges of it there was you know the the video released i think that we talked about yeah and just just uh a few uh there was um they were going over a story which has always been around in ufo stories about the ufos over nuclear uh, uh missile areas and um so there's been sort of like almost like it's almost like there's some testing of the waters of it. And I think oh, I can't remember the John Podesta, the the Hillary Clinton creep guy mm -hmm. that, that like he before, you know, early, early on, like pre-election really going, he was saying, you know, yeah, there's going to be, you know, we're planning on disclosure. I'm really excited about this. So there's been people talking about it around the edges. But if they came out and that was that was the that was a statement, the that 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 was all they they gave us at the press release. A lot would happen, but not a lot of of anything of substance would happen because it's so vague. Mm-hmm. And and where a lot would happen is, all of a sudden, um, coast to coast would be a whole new revitalized show. People would be listening into coast to coast because you know every, you know, 
I mean, he's, you know, Whitley Stryber will be on every Wednesday. You know, they'll have Linda Moulton Howe on every two, you know, they'll have, they'll get everybody ever from the UFO world and they'll have plenty to talk about because it's so vague. The, the, the speculation on, on, okay, so aliens exist. The government's covered it up to the, as a government friendly with them are they enemies with them how many different you know are there different kinds of aliens you know all this has already been you know established in you know countless different mythologies depending on whose ufo story you're listening to it at a certain time or you know what group or whatever so that you know i mean every anybody that had anything to do with ufos is going to go nuts speculating as to what that means Mm -hmm. and then and then demanding you know more information you know or or at least go ahead are you going to tell us more than that that's and then and then you know then it's going to get political and then there's going to be people going wow they're just doing this to distract you from this or you know this is just a big thing to wind us up or maybe you know unite us or you know there'll, there'll be endless conspiracy theories from the whole spectrum of political beliefs on it Hmm. so it would it would i think it it, the most it would do i don't think that would be enough to trigger that point because actually i think if you ask most people do you think aliens exist most people when polled say yes right but that doesn't but that's still just something people say Right. You know, if if you ever get to the point of where it becomes a hard, cold reality and you start really thinking about it, then it's like that's supposedly the thing from, you know, science fiction or whatever. Just um, the, the, the way people would say is like, oh, well, you know, that's the government couldn't tell us about the aliens because it would blow everybody's minds and there would be chaos. And uh, there, there's just that rule of thumb whether it's true or not that that the whole world would go would freak out if there were aliens either freak out in fear that they were going to be martian invaders like war of the worlds or freak out into like religious cult style worship of them or you know or maybe the aliens are coming to actually take over you know or it it would just be endless it's and it would almost be i i think it would almost be the same say if there was an alternate scenario where the government said aliens exist here's our files and dumped them that's even that's that a whole ha- different level of disclosure and i think even I that that I would i don't even know if that would be as as it would be it would give people more specific things to chew on cuz they could see a video and stuff right but still to that point you can see all the videos you want and still be like, ah, these days you don't know, you know, whether somebody that could have been a totally created on a computer. There's people on their home computers making decent fake UFO videos. So there have been for like 10 years. Basically the day after YouTube was open for business, that's when, and like the, the, and these were not, 
these weren't hoaxes in the usual sense. Like the the disclaimer at the front said, this is the hoax, and you know I just made this with you know some new modeling software I I, I got. What do you think? You know, this wasn't meant to be passed off as like the real thing. Mm. Some of them. Yeah, yeah. Like there was one I think is. The, What's his the name? Like the, like the like the faker hoax or the faking hoaxster. The faking hoax. Yeah, that's the one. And he would actually explain like what his sources were, but like maybe one out of twenty of those comments said no. I think this is real. <laughs> and the, yeah, and and when even if you made something and said like, look at my fake hoax UFO video, that's not going to stop any everybody and any anybody from downloading your video and re reposting it up saying you know what they you know, didn't want you final, to see final yeah. proof of ufos see this video you won't believe your eyes you know so you know even the even if you try not to i still see i just saw it yesterday somebody post it the the viral video from the first planet of the apes remake movie of the chimp like there's some gorillas out in the in a jungle just sort of hanging around and and a chimp comes in is sort of messing around with them and eventually gets a hold of one of their guns and just starts, you know, Oh yeah. fire it and I still see that to that to this day getting put up as like look at this crazy video of a chimp getting a hold of, you know, and people going those guys are crazy. They never should have let that in. It's just oh man. But even 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 with with the the original premise and just those three pieces of information you would still have the the people going like this is all just you know this is all just a hoax this is the government's trying to pull some sort of you know crazy bullshit so even so even if you had that or a a pile of evidence i don't think like the like to to joe schmo on the street the the total reality of like aliens would ever sink in until you get to the point where it's like, all right, you know, um, the, the UFOs come into town and to meet everybody <laughs> this week, you know, and then it's going on to Houston and and you can you can go and, and, and meet the aliens and watch it land and stuff like that. And that, that would pretty much nab everybody. There'd still be some people going like we've always had this technology. and Those are holograms. <laughs> Well, so it, I basically I'm saying I wish we had dis if we had disclosure like in the 70s when, you know, you couldn't fake things. I think it would have been way more. It would have been easier to take on. It would have had more of an effect today. It's like. I mean, you've got day to day weirdness to compete with, even if you're we're, we're pretty we're pretty comfortable by the 90s. You know, the 90s were just alien imagery everywhere on everything. Yeah. You know, so we're pretty comfortable with it as a society. So if they've been grooming us by slowly, I think that I think their work is done. You know, so if if they've been grooming us for disclosure, I think at any point in the last 20 years <laughs> would have been perfect. That's why I'm not holding my breath. For anything like that. Well, the um, the way I, I I saw it playing out was that it's the it's any news cycle like that's sufficiently partisan. 
I've right. noticed there tends to be, and, and and for all intents and purposes, yeah, I guess you could you could consider this in kind of. It, it's similar to it. It's not partisan itself, but it, like the reaction to it, I think would be very similar to, to, partisan news stories where, yes. you know, uh, insert president here is he. We found more evidence that he's been caught with his hands in the cookie jar. Well, thirty percent ish of the public. Instantly believes it. No need for evidence. Right. Instantly believes it. Right. Thirty percent of the public instantly rejects it. You know. I mean, right. You could. He could confess, and they would still find a way to rationalize. Right. right. And then there's that other kind of soft, gooey middle that just doesn't really care all that much as long as their taxes don't go up. They're they're pretty much okay with whatever. Right. And part of me wants to say that something kind of like that would be what happened with a low level disclosure, like what we're talking about. But where I, where I personally would foresee the danger coming in is with the people. And, and we're talking about like, not necessarily like hardcore ufologist conspiracy theory kooks. But I mean the right. people that are slightly more moderate about it, not on the fence. I mean they are believers and very publicly, very vocally so. But these these are the ones I suspect would, that would instantly become overnight kind of like wide-eyed, sweaty zealots, you know. And yes, they're the ones I think would actually be – they're the kind of subgroup I think would that would introduce uh, a very dangerous element of instability. Because what you're talking about is a is a is a class of people that long ago made intellectual peace with whatever theories they have regarding extraterrestrials and what they may or may not be doing to cattle and all this other stuff. But the instant they have kind of like ironclad, undeniable disclosure, I think the end of that would be enough to push them off the deep end. Like the people that are off the deep end already, they're they're if they were going to get they're violent, there. <clears throat> yeah. And if they were going to get violent, they would have long ago. And so, if anything, you know, they're kind of skeptical. Like, oh, I bet they'll never tell us the truth about Rendlesham Forest or something like that. You know, and they're yeah, pessimistic. Yeah. They believe, but they're still pessimistic, kind of like from a different angle. Whereas the more moderate types, now all of a sudden there's nothing holding them back. And I'm not necessarily saying shooting people in the street, but I do think they would they would be very dangerous and very unstable over the course of the next couple of weeks as all of this kind of saturates the public and like, what does all of this mean? And, you know, the only Kinda way... like the overloading... Yeah getting what you like what you've always wanted but thought you would never get yeah. type of thing yeah and let's face it i mean there's no way that the united states government is going to disclose and then just leave it at that like the way that i just right. set it up with those three facts if they're going to tell us that much bet your ass there's there's more coming down the line they just want this to percolate a little bit before they give you um stories about like i and i kind of joked about it a second ago but that that ufo and I actually tend to believe this because this was tracked on three different fucking radars. So, you know, what's a boy to think? But um, it was in Washington, D.C., like in the 50s or something like that. Mm -hmm. And as I remember, this was before they actually built Dulles International Airport because Dulles 
I don't even know if he'd started working for the CIA yet, but they're not going to name shit after him yet. He hadn't right. quite made his name yet. So Dulles International Airport hadn't been built. So whatever that other fucking airport out there is, this UFO was basically just racing these Air Force jets just all across um, Washington, D.C. airspace. And the question wasn't, is the UFO here? We know he's here. The question is, where does he go whenever we scramble the jets after him? Because it's like he just seems to vanish into thin air. And this is one of those things that, you know, just by virtue of the fact that, you know, media were so limited back in the 50s, you could put you, you could squash stuff like this relatively easily. You know, you just you lean on right. the right people and the right stories have a way of getting buried. Right. You really couldn't do that today. You know, you have you have all of this. Basically, you know, everybody in their fucking iPhone, you know, wandering around Washington, D.C., if something like that happened today, there's no oh, way. Not only every iPhone, but every security camera on everybody's house, on every business. It, you know, it's – yeah, it's – it's if if it happens at any time – if it happens at any time, it's on film. Yeah. It, it, nowadays, basically, if you're in any sort of populated area, you know. Yeah. So that's um so and then there's the um not I don't want to say like the de- the denialist faction because I don't know if that's doing them justice but the more pessimistic faction the the people that won't believe even though the government right they have they have they always have a reason to lie about something but I don't think they have a reason to lie about this if they're going to disclose they don't really have a reason to lie about that. But, I, I think if they if there's lying during the disclosing, it'll be to cover asses on like laws that were broke or something. And it would probably only be in stuff where people are still alive. You know, there would be a little cover your ass if you did something a little shady here or there to cover something up or something. But if they're just uh, – Unless our government is going full propaganda and disclosing for some nefarious purpose to, you know, to rally us against the aliens who are, you know, we're disclosing because their armada is on the way, you know? Yeah. We need all to hold our breaths and tap our toes together or something. But, um... Well, the, um, the the pessimist, the non-believers... I think the threat that they would pose would be more like the the, the moderate believers. They're a, they're a threat, I think, in the short term. Because whenever you fry somebody's brain like that, nobody's qualified to say what the outcome of that's going to be. But right. The, the non-believer, their threat, I think, is a little – that's going to be a little bit more long-term because – you and you kind of touched upon it a minute ago, but this is a distraction. Okay, so whatever it is that's big in the news at that time, like right now, it's um, it, it's name uh, it. <laughs> pick pick anyone. Well, I, yeah. I was going to suggest Russian collusion, but back in 2012, the big news story about the president of, uh, at the time was uh, Benghazi, or right, right. Um, let me think in like 2006 or something like that. I think I think the big story was. The best, like the biggest I can remember is Valerie Plame, but there may have been others. But the point is. Every president typically is going to have two or three or maybe even four different things, you know, that is giving them a hard time at any given moment mm-hmm. that let's just face it, a, a lucky break in the news cycle can shift attention away from. 
And I think these angry people in the long term, the more people start talking about UFOs and what did or didn't happen, and they're not talking about this person's pet cause anymore. That's a recipe for a lone nut, my friend. And I could foresee somebody of a certain type of mindset. It's not necessarily so much about political persuasion. It's just, it, it's to do with mindset. You know, your, your ideology, I think in that case is going to be kind of incidental. Maybe they will go into an office building somewhere and just pop off a few, a few rounds at some people, you know, who's to say. And so I think that the danger in this is it's not so much that it's going to destabilize the government. It's going to basically introduce this very dangerous, very unstable element into society. And now I, the government can't possibly put a lid back on it. So I'm not it, saying that disclosure it, it, will never happen. I'm just saying that there are calculated risks that that's, I think that risk is baked into the risk of disclosure of anything. Like say, say the CIA decided this is this is a fanciful one if ever there was one the cia is like yeah we're gonna come clean on all the stuff we've done we want to make a fresh start we're going through a 12-step plan yeah, right. we have to we have to contact everybody that we've done wrong and apologize that sounds like the and aa so, school so, of reform right? exactly and so here's all here's all the stuff that we've we've done you know, I mean, it's the same sort of thing that will there. There are a lot of, you know, if there's a lot of things that that people will see, oh, our country did that, you know, on on it. It's the same with UFOs that people whose like life perception of reality depends on either, you know, what the, like UFOs being real or UFOs not being real. Either way, disclosure messes with that it challenges that like profoundly and that's yeah and that's where the people the people who are already bent start to crack you know and uh and so like that's the that's the problem with you know having secrets and it's like you know i'd love to know all the secrets but you know I don't know if that would be the best thing if you released all the secrets. I'd love to be able to just access them myself, just me. That would be that that would be totally acceptable. I can ha I can handle the truth. Well, but, yeah, I used if, to think that I could handle the truth, and then you know, <laughs> like the thing about it was, and I don't want to get specific about it, but you know, sometimes in life, you, you always think you can handle it till you can't handle. It. <laughs> well, yeah, you can, you know, and. I found out. I did some research about some stuff and found out about something that. Again, not going to say what, but, you know, there are, there's a certain something that I bet most people out there probably believe in that I think is kind of horseshit. Right, right. And it's one right. of those things you dare not say out loud because, you know, God only knows what's going to happen to your Facebook after that. You know, I mean, thing, <laughs> right. you know, I mean, it's somebody's going to burn a hole in it. And yeah, yeah. And in the end, no one will be no, no one will agree with you anyway. So it's it's like. There, there is knowledge out there, I think. Not that you regret knowing, but it is kind of a curse because you can't share it. I'm sure there's lots of stuff that if I knew I would would I'm sure that there I have <laughs> breaking points of like handling the truth. <laughs> there's gotta be there's there's 
you know, my imagination could come up with a lot of things, horrible things that break me, which means that there's more horrible things out there that I don't know about, which are even more. <laughs> well, I always thought that, like, maybe the most dangerous thing in the entire world is the room temperature IQ conspiracy theorist. Because not only will they believe anything, they will believe anything, you know? Right, right. And they tend to be, they, they tend to evangelize it quite a lot. And a good example of what I'm talking about is um, uh, black helicopters, right? And I, I used to work at a, um, at a Papa John's store um, when, when I was 20. And I got to tell you, you know, this was, this was a fun job, you know, because you drive around all day. In your car, you're you the first person who's described a Papa John's pizza job as a fun job, but hey, oh, that's... dude, it was great because you know, everyone I worked with was my age, nothing but hot, uh, hot girls, uh, you know, were jockey in the cash register. You drive around all day smoking cigarettes and listening to music, and you know, uh, you've, you've always got just tons and tons and tons of cash on you. And you know, I lived with my folks, so it's not like I had a whole lot of bills to pay. I mean, that was just a cool summer, dude. And the one blight on it was this guy, every office place, every workplace, everywhere you ever go, construction site, whatever, they all have that guy that works there. I might and, have, I might be that guy. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I might be the closest thing to that guy at my job. This guy's basic, um, like his thing was he, he was big into conspiracy theories. He never found a conspiracy theory that he didn't believe in. And so, yeah, if you tell him that um, there was a, a conspiracy that the government co covered up to assassinate President Kennedy, oh, absolutely, yeah, totally believe that. Well, as conspiracy theories go, that's relatively mainstream, especially in the pre-9-11 world as this was. Mm -hmm. But his other thing, and I don't know where the hell he dug this one up, but this one, this one was a beauty. Um, basically he said that, you know, you ever notice how most of those black helicopter, uh, uh, sightings, they, they were all during the seventies and the eighties and stuff. Those were actually covert, uh, Soviet, uh, uh, spy copters. And so they didn't actually uh, trust the Intel that they were getting from their spies on the ground. They wanted to have their, and it's like, like just as soon as he got to that. Right. It's right. Like, you're already smiling, nodding politely, slowly backing away. And he's like, and, you don't and, understand. You know, this is all about time travel. And there's this fucked up warp theory that's going on here. We don't know it yet. But, you know, they're there. And it's like it, he didn't seem to know that there's not a there's not a Cold War anymore. It's like he just didn't seem to get that. And but that dangerous, the most dangerous person in the world, and just in terms of lack of stability lack of wherewithal is the really stupid. And I mean like moronic conspiracy yeah. theorist, because whenever, whenever you start introducing things like disclosure into this, I honestly don't know what they might do next. The, the only reason I can think of that the government would disclose at this point, you know, considering how friendly relatively the reception to it would probably be as compared to like 40, 50 years ago and through there the only reason I can think of to do it, and if you agree or disagree, I, I I want you to say so, there's some kind of threat that is now bigger than any possible uh, 
domestic revolution they may they may be facing at the hands of their own citizens. So whether you think that's the Russians or the Chinese or the mothership itself, or who the hell knows, they're not telling us this for no reason. So my question to you is, if it's not that, or or if it's that, say so, but if it's not that, what is it? Why would they disclose? I mean, now as opposed to 20 years ago. Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't think they're just going to disclose just for the sake of, ah, guys, it's been long enough, and, you know... I mean, the the only uh, the, I mean, there would have to be there would have to be some either a threat or say they're in contact with the aliens and the aliens are like, look, guys, we're sick of you being, you know, the gatekeepers. We're, we're, we're going to go land at, you know, the Coachella Festival in the middle of Sting set, you know, or <laughs> or whatever kind of yeah, yeah, m- music they have these days. You know, the the UFO reunion set and, and we're, we're going to land there and, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to just take over every satellite and beam onto every TV and computer in the world. You know, yeah. that that might be a reason. Um, one one reason could be just like enough time has gone by so that enough positions in in the the set of dominoes that have to go over to in order for something like that to get you know to get put out enough of those people are you know let's they're they're our age you know so if there's enough of them that that we didn't come up in the 50s paranoia ufo thing we came up in the 70s like whoa ufos you know potential you know um harbingers of of peace and and knowledge from another galaxy or whatever and in the in the documentaries and stuff the cheap sun classic documentaries and stuff so if you got enough people who just like hit in that position and they say they were at lunch one day and were like hey you know and you know we've been reading the files because we couldn't this you know, it's basic. You know, basically, they'd be like Star Wars fans working at Lucasfilm. You know, yeah. So, so you know, and they'd just be like, dude, you know, we've always we always dreamed of the day of that there would be, you know, that people would know the truth about the UFOs. But <laughs> that would also strongly depend on what the truth of UFOs was. You know, it's a, there's you know, that's the thing about information you don't know. There could it could be we might not know it just because our government's paranoid and wants something secret that they never want to give it up or B there could be a very good reason you know that we haven't thought of or that you know we don't know the factors involved so there could be some horrifying true or the government could be like it they're gonna put the death rays on us if if we ever tell you they said if we ever tell you they're just gonna take out you know both coasts or something so it's it's this mystery box that's just always going to play on the imagination until it like until there's some sort of 
definitive thing. And even then, even if aliens like popped around, you know, we started alien nationing or (laughs) some sort, you know, somewhere, somewhere on the spectrum of alien nation and like, what was it? Uh, V. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Somewhere on that spectrum where the aliens are starting to mix in with society, it would still take, you know, years and years of, you know, evolution and how people think about it before it became. And this is, this is the buzzword going around these days, normalized before, before the aliens became normalized to us. So, you know, if they were doing, if they were doing disclosure, I know definitely I would like, I would be like, okay, cool. And then my brain would have warning bells going off on it. And it would probably drive me crazy because I'd have no, <laughs> no, n- nothing to go on on those warning bells. But it would definitely be like something. Something's got to be up for that that to be happening, you know. Well, don't. It would be the same as if the government started talking regularly about you know having to blow up a giant asteroid or something like that. You know, we should start thinking about how we're blowing up a giant asteroid. And it's just like, hey, look, History Channel's got a documentary about blowing up a giant asteroid we actually had a time period like that but that was because a movie was coming out but maybe but well the to me the the way to do disclosure and again if you agree or disagree I, i i want you to chime in on this but one of the things i've noticed is um over the span of I'm, look, I'm not saying that it, it it has never happened to any president ever before. I'm just saying I never really noticed it until this new that this president took office. But what has happened is I've noticed that people have begun gradually acclimating themselves. Number one, they've become gradually active uh, acclimating themselves to. Uh, uh, certain kind of extreme ideas and uh, topics and and uh, theories and stuff based on internet rumors and speculation, right? Right. I don't want right. to go so far as to say trolls. Uh, look, I don't know who QAnon. I would. <laughs> oh, oh, fair enough. I don't know who who QAnon is. I don't really know um, a whole lot about. I mean, I've read some of those posts, and then I've read some of the comparisons to Trump's tweets and. You know, wow, there is kind of a similarity, and QAnon looks like post. But I could first. do that too. Well, yeah, yeah. But... Sometimes, but the QAnon is also, you see, this this is what this is what immediately like made well, me go well, like, time out, time oh, out. Okay. Uh, hold, hold that thought, hold that thought. So, whether or not there's any truth to QAnon, what I've noticed is that like the hardcore MAGA Americans they will read this and they will treat this as though it's life-changing sort of scriptures almost. They'll start peddling these ideas and you can see them that they start pollinating a little bit, maybe first on Reddit, and then they make their way a little bit over to Twitter a bit, and then they really catch on to Facebook and stuff that that QAnon said like two months ago. Finally weasels its way over to... Facebook and these ideas start percolating amongst people that are not part of the QAnon inner circle. Right. You know, and I thought, you know what, that would actually be a good way to kind of tee up like a real disclosure. Like 
You could have sure. – look, call it QAnon. Call it whatever you want. I don't care. But have this inside source. Agent X. Yeah, that works great. You know, Agent X, uh, he basically unofficially but officially announces, yeah, UFOs are real. And so then the press conference, like a year later, this is the one that actually gets more into specifics when – People have had a chance to digest this on social media. There hasn't been this big media fanfare. And it's actually kind of hit them slowly but surely and at a level where they can kind of accept it and kind of like the darker recesses of their id. Whereas well, yeah, it, and you start having those coworker conversations where they're like, oh, yeah, I heard something that they were planning on t telling about the UFOs or whatever. You know, he may not even have the words – you know, um, Agent X in his head, or you know, Agent X said, you know, or whatever. He just heard it, saw, saw a meme, heard it, read a little article about it sometime. And that's the original just, definition of a meme. That's it right there. Right, it's right. It's, it's a self-propagating idea. One little idea that sticks in a head, yeah. in, in its head. That You know, I mean, memes have been around forever, you know, yeah. I mean – They've usually like just been yes. catchphrases. Uh, you can't live with them. You can't live without them. Is a meme. Yeah. You know, it's an idea. It's a it's a concept. It might not be, you know, accurate on in in a in a nuanced sense, but it it gets an idea across that everybody can go like, oh, I see what that means. Ah, oh, yeah, I get. You know, I understand that. And uh, yeah, it's and um, I mean to an extent. I mean that's sort of part of how the human brain works, but it's yeah, it's definitely on hypercharged <coughs> speed right now with since the internet happened, and you know, not not to get braggy or whatever, but you know the people who were on the internet earlier, you know, as as soon as it started, like my you know my myself, I've always been like up on whatever's going on in computers, so you know. Since 1991, uh, right here, baby. Right, exactly. And just like, so so a lot of the stuff that goes on on Facebook, meme-wise, argument-wise, is stuff I watched get hashed out at the in the early days of computing, you yeah. know? And because it was all these, it was new to people and they were just getting the concept of it and or not getting the concept of it and so there was that friction and then you know the, those people became they got older and and matured well, some of them and <laughs> and and learned to to use whatever and and you know have just been more computer literate and then you have the facebook masses which it used to be like everybody's like, oh, grandma on the computer, mom on the computer now. But it's just like this sort of whole chunk of the baby boomers who ha who have now, you know, that were at first in their baby boomer way grumpy about like, ah, I'm not really interested in that Internet stuff until it got to the point of where it's everywhere. And then you didn't re and now you don't really have to have a computer to be on the Internet. It's, and that, that makes it worse. So you have all these like, you know, people who are relatively were non-internet users, but now have their phone and they think of it as using their phone yeah. and they're using the internet. And so they're getting this like, like when you're on your computer and you're on a browser and stuff, you're sitting at a table like a desk, well, you're sitting at a desk usually 
and and you're you're sort of focused on a, on a, on doing a thing and a website will come up and you can see all the little things. Everything is mashed down, compacted, dumbed down, and and hypercharged to its most lurid state for the phone because that's what the masses are using and that's how you have to pack it in on that little screen. So these are, so these people are not like that's why you have all these people who read headlines and don't read the articles because it's a pain in the ass to read an article on your phone, especially when you're just using it in 30 or 40 second bursts. So you just go flip, flip, flip through your Facebook app and you see headlines and you read them and you see, oh, my, my oh, this friend that I like posted this. And so it just goes into your memory bank as whatever the headline said, whether it's true or not, or what, what the nuances or whether you have to read it to find out that the headline's completely wrong. It doesn't matter because you're consuming it in this sort of really junk foody sort of way. And not that, uh, you know, you can be on your computer and consuming it junk foody. It's just not set up as much to be, to feed it to you like that. Well, and I, I, so the vast majority are those people now. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that, that, that's the thing. I mean, it's hard to say for sure, like, when it's going to happen. Uh, you know, people who seem like they're a lot smarter than I am are speculating that 2020 or 2024 at the worst, or at the latest, that's going one of those is going to be the last election for which the baby boomers are a major political force, a major political consideration. And then after that, you know, the the attention is actually going to switch and kind of skip over um, Generation X, probably all together, the millennials, yep. mostly, and fall pretty squarely on uh, Generation Z. And one of the things that I've kind of wondered about is, you know, technological advancement and social advancement are, when you really think back on it, I mean... You can't really deny that there's a relationship between the two, but it would be a mistake, I think, to say that one is dependent upon the other. I don't think that don't applies know. today. I think that what we've seen in terms of not necessarily Internet technology, but Internet communication has been in some ways kind of held back by baby boomers. And I've kind of wondered, mm -hmm. you know, what I've seen over because I look, I, I was not exaggerating. I've been online since 1991. And what I have seen during this time is um, basically it's it's been kind of a process of uh, refinement. And I don't mean just politics, but politics is probably the most obvious thing for people to talk about. But a lot of things have been kind of refined and reevaluated on the Internet. My God's honest opinion is that we would not have the opinion of the Empire Strikes Back collectively that we have today if it, if it hadn't been for the Internet. The Internet, I'm not going to say saved that movie, but it, it, it was a major component in how the Empire Strikes Back came to be reevaluated as an unappreciated masterpiece. And, I, and what I've seen is other ideas that people used to kind of casually dismiss those things are starting to get reevaluated re as well. You know, yes. maybe maybe capitalism isn't necessarily the best idea. Maybe there's something better. 
not socialism, not communism. Maybe there's some new thing that we can come up with that respects the the personhood of the individual, but still is is strong enough. Something to... pra- pragmatic is is I think um... well, it's got to be stable enough to prop up society. Is the point you have to value yeah. the you have to value the the individual, you have to value society, but you also have to create you have to prop up civilization. And if you can do all three of those things. You've really cracked the code, and I can't help – like, do you think – not? and it doesn't necessarily have to be about UFOs. I mean, it can be anything, but have you seen that that same kind of refinement process going on, especially, I would say, over the last, like, 15 years or so online? Yeah, and, and I mean, Generation Y and the Millennials are really – and Millennials especially, like – people are like oh millennials they're very they're very progressive you know and blah 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 and they poll very you know when they when people poll millennials they poll very progressive but they're very young you know so that that people people a lot of people when they're young are progressive and they drift over so saying that all the millennials are going to be this way or this way politically is just like it's a fool's errand. You don't know where. Really? You think so? Yeah, I, I, I don't think you know where they're going to land. They're still in that process of hmm. of gelling their beliefs. And I remember being in that 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 age, you know, that that age range. And my political opinions were like more polarized in in different directions and and also less you know the the way and 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 part of it was due to not having the internet but also part of it was me not bothering to you know look deeper and on stuff and just sort of accepting information and stuff and then getting burned and then figuring it out and and your brain doesn't really gel till i think you're like 32 years old or something or 28 something somewhere in that range your brain is still sort of forming its neural pathways so the the yes. the, the millennials now i i don't think the millennials are going to turn right wing but i don't think they're you know i'm hoping they come up with something the, the millennials and the 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 end of the generation y that hit them they've lived completely in so you know i would consider where our civilization was in decline i i lived I, you know when i was in high school and in college it was we were in a pretty you know i was also like very environmentally like you know gloom and doom about stuff but at the same time it you could really in the 80s and and early 90s you could just sort of turn off and enjoy the the wealth that was just sort of going around you know from from the the the, the just boom in the economy and and not really think not you, you didn't really have to think about politics that that much and it was part of it being that age but at the same time things were you know that it's 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 different times now and that's all they know 
You know, they, they, they can't they can't live in the past. They can't do member berries on anything <laughs> on anything before, you know, the two thousands or you know, late nineties. And things were still you know, things were I mean, music got in the nineties music got bleak and yeah. you know, cinema and things just generally hit a very cynical and nihilistic tone and that's what they've been that's what they've been seeing and that you know they've and they've grown up with like oh there's a you know gigantic patch of plastic in the in the pacific ocean and stuff like that and and they're they're inheriting that so and they've been hearing both political parties bitch about the other political party passing on all this money and responsibility to them (laughs) So they, they, you know, they've been hearing that from from both sides. So they, you know, they don't know who they're they're gonna trust. Well, like I, the, thing, I, the thing about millennials, um, and honestly, I've never really figured out if I'm technically one of them or not. It, I guess, it it depends on like which scale you're using. Yeah. But you know, one of the things that I will give them credit for, whether I'm a member of that cohort or not, they are not a greedy bunch. You know, I mean, like whenever you no. compare, uh, like at least as I define the word greed, when you compare them to say like the like like the fucking baby boomers, there there is no comparison. You know, and I don't even really think you know Gen X is greedy. I mean, they, you know, they were definitely born at the right time. I'll I'll, I'll give them that much. But well, well the the baby, but bo- well, no, you see, like uh, as. As Gen X, I'm going to say that I'm the most my generation's the most aggrieved. But like the the baby boomers, yeah, they 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 got that wealth. I think Generation X, we hit this point of our of the timing of our of our lives where we got to see the eighties turn into the nineties and then the, the internet sort of found it and we can sort of see where things are going, but it's not us. You know, it's it's the timing of like a generation rising up and doing something was just is was just not right for Generation X and, and not in a just sort of like, eh, it's not the right timing. It's like any kind of rebellion that Generation X attempted got so co-opted instantly by the culture just instantly just wiped like any anything you did for rebellion instantly got adopted into the culture and and all the piss taken out of it and that's why you know you had yeah like punk rock (laughs) any kind of any kind of rock yeah that was the downfall of rock music rock music is dead right now i cannot think of like I cannot think of I, I'm sure there's good rock bands out there on the charts, new rock bands, but I can't think of one that's like being a rock band like that has the, the you hear them and go, it's that's them. OK, you, you know, know what? I, I, look, I, I'm going to challenge you. Time. I, I will challenge you on that. Is rock music dead? I think that's actually very true. But I think that maybe the that's a symptom of, I think, a bigger a bigger disease where we don't really have stars anymore. We have celebrities, but that's not the same thing. Like if Robert Downey Jr. 
is going to be in a movie where he plays Tony Stark, that movie is going to make a lot of money. If Robert Downey Jr. is in some random mid mid to sort of mid to low budget uh, type of movie where he plays a gangster or something like that, toss a coin. But his name yeah, is right, not right. just by itself. That will not attract people. Um, it's going to have to be that you know the trailer looks cool or something like that. It seems like or we're moving buzz away about from his performance or something. He's really good at this. Is like his Oscar bid. Yeah, and it seems like what what we're seeing right now is we're kind of moving away from the era of you know having stars. Like there were times like you know John Wayne made some shit movie. I mean he made some good ones. Don't get me wrong, but he made some shit movies in his day. But people went to see him because hey, it's John Wayne. He was I love Schwarzenegger. John. Or, or Schwarzenegger, yeah, probably well, yeah, even I mean, an, an even better example because Schwarzenegger is an icon, but not really. But but yeah, people would or or Sylvester Stallone or fucking whoever, you know, yeah. you don't really get that anymore. And it just when you think about it, I mean, there are how many thousands of TV channels that people can watch. You've got YouTube. You've got, I mean, basically Hollywood is they they've pretty much closed up shop on everything that's not superheroes. And it's like we don't really have stars anymore, and that kind of has to include music. I mean, because music videos are simply not as important or relevant or pertinent today as they were when I was growing up. No, or, I mean, rap rap music is filling that void because, I mean, rap music is the only geez. music – the, the rap music is the only music these days that somebody's going to pay – that people will pay attention to the lyrics of. If somebody says something, whether on whether it be on a deep political level or on a total like I'm just gossiping and dissing somebody level, people are paying attention because it's that's the whole form of the thing is the words. So that you know, I mean, people used to go and get the new Bob Dylan album and and pour through the lyrics and and sit down and have reading group type meetings on yeah, like read arounds you know, and shit. On Beatles, on anybody. I mean, I mean, you like Led Zeppelin, right? You think yeah. they're an okay band? I, I've got my Magic iPod that I take to work with me, and I've got uh, Physical Graffiti, and um, I think it was a two, it was the BBC Live. Oh uh, yeah, that's a good out. live album. And so, like, my iPod likes to sometimes it loves sometimes to just play like four. Led Zeppelin songs in a row, uh, and and it always plays four off the live CDs for some reason instead of physical. It won't play four physical graffitis or two. It'll just play like a, a selection of the live songs. Yeah. And uh, and I and every time you know I'm listening to to Led Zeppelin and and their songs. If you're in a if you're listening to them just from the classic rock radio level are are iconic you know people know every note of the guitar solos and stuff but led zeppelin live was a you know a different beast altogether they were you know they they sort of had less instrumentation because they couldn't layer layer in the studio so they had to have slightly different arrangements or they would have very fluid arrangements that would let them just improvise on a whim you know during a song and take it in a totally different direction. So you hear them, and, 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 you know, I'm listening, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's so nice to listen to a band that every once in a while has a little fuck-up or a little little harsh note or something, 
but is also like you're hearing the personalities of the people interacting with each other and working to create, you know, on the spot that, you know, the magic that they do and that, that you don't have that anymore where it's like, Oh, here's a band and like people recognize each individual. You don't even have any more. I just wish we had some fucking ugly bands. What happened when you had like the screaming trees when you were fuck fugly and you could not get laid. And the only way you could get laid, whether in reality or just in in theory, you know, in in the, the plan was. If you got a band and you got good enough, you know, the girls would be like, okay, he's ugly, but he's got talent or whatever. So you yeah, have like all Blues Traveler, band. The Screaming Trees, Bare Naked Ladies, yeah. That was the last, that was the last vestige of them, of, of ugly bands. But ugly bands aren't getting through <laughs> nowadays. Not even country stars are. Country stars are the least ugly performers that we have today. Well, we and don't really have country music today, Chris. I mean, what we have is pop music and a cowboy hat. Oh, oh dear God. I, I'm i so happy when my, my boss does a lot of um, barbecue circuit competitions. So she's not at work a lot once the spring and summer start. But, oh, my God, I'm so happy whenever she shows up because she always puts the Knicks on. We've got two two people in the front a guy and a girl and they both love to put on the country station i was out eating lunch the other day and uh, um this country song came on and this kid he's he's got to be like 19 20 years old is just singing along this and i'm just looking at him i'm like what is wrong with you how old are you no you think this is good he's like Hey, music is music. And I'm like, I agree with that, but this is still garbage. It's garbage. (laughs) You can do so much better for yourself. And I'm like, have you ever heard of Roger Mill? And and I could tell he was just switching. He was just like, oh, there goes the old. See, here's where I'm pretty much, I must be that guy at work. Here's where old guy is telling me (laughs) that my music is yeah, yeah, music and it's no good. But I got to say, it's no good. Just if you even objectively pull it apart from a craftsmanship point of view, it's horrible garbage. Yeah. And it makes me so sad that there's people who don't see that, <laughs> that see the opposite of that. Well, the uh, <clears throat> like the thing about you know uh, country music is, is it's one of those things that, I, like 20 years ago, never would have predicted this. I mean, honestly, looking back at it now, I seem kind of foolish. But I would have thought, you know, rock music is probably going to outlive country music. You know, I don't see how it could ever be otherwise. And the reasons for that are because, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, you know, obviously I was proven kind of wrong on that. I, really, I think it comes down to how you look at it. But I think you know, in terms of which genre is more profitable year after year, I think I think the truth kind of speaks for itself on that. But I don't know. I just I look around at there, there there's just so little about it that I it, it, in the old days in the old days and not even you know country music the basically your your average country music singer was working the out 
being an outlaw. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, we got together today, grabbed the boss, buried him out in the, you know, out in the dirt. And <laughs> now the cops are coming, but they'll never take me alive, you know. And and country music nowadays is like I'm working my shitty job, but it allows me to get my truck and my beer. And now I'm on the back of my truck with my beer and my girl and I'm chewing my chew and it's it's all just it's so pandery and and I am all for a good good just party music mm-hmm. songs about I don't even drink but I love songs about drinking and partying you know all my rowdy friends are coming overnight you know mm-hmm. it's a stupid song it's but it's great you know but this stuff is just trying so hard. And then I listen to this guy and I'm like, this guy's going home and maybe he drinks a glass of wine and watches some Netflix with his wife and, you know, probably has a nice little home. But he's not redneck, you know, mullet, you know, it's it's. Well, yeah, the, uh, <clears throat> they're also portraying the, like commercials and music often drive me nuts because when you watch a commercial or you listen to a really pandery crappy song it's basically saying this is you do you like this this is you and and the stuff that gets me is the stuff that's like kind of nasty it's kind of nasty and condescending it's like you're ignorant and you don't care (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know you're ignorant and drunk and you don't care because you get to be that way every weekend and get and get mud all over everything and that's the thing about it is i grew up country living i'm all for country living but they portray such a just a crappy you know um condescending version of it that, that's you know and and if they're gonna touch on like values or something they're just gonna say something like you know and after singing about drinking and their girl with her boobs poking out of her shirt, you know, and it's getting cold out, then they're going to say something about Jesus, you know, to, yeah. to throw it in. But, you know, nothing deeper than just like, and I, you know, I just want to thank God for bringing me here tonight. Above, you know, always, always respect for the man above or something just to get it in there. And, you know, and always respect for the something about the flag, you know, mm. but nothing that's touching on the like, deeper meaning of patriotism or anything like that and not that old country songs were really like deep examinations of ideas and stuff but they were a lot <laughs> they were they were a little more in depth uh, well, they it, would from time to time uh they would have uh a point to them or this is or at an least awesome an idea. Band, by the way, from UFO disclosure, let me tell you. <laughs> well, Pretty yeah, no. But... Gotten from UFO disclosure to how shitty country music is these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it is true, but I mean, there was a a song by Charlie by Charlie Daniels, "Uneasy Rider," which mm-hmm. it, it's like it's the opposite. Like not so much musically, but lyrically, it's kind of like mm-hmm. the opposite of a country song, in a weird kind of way, because it's about a hippie written from a hippie's point of view who finds himself yeah. in the wrong place. At the, and it's like country country songs were not. When you think about it, 
they're not thought of as being done that way. But, you know, it it does, well, whatever. I mean, it's not punk rock, but I'm just saying that, you know, they had a lot fewer rules than you might think back in the old right, days. Right, right, right. And yeah, yeah we are off did, from uh, UFOs. That long-haired country boy alone, too, which was a total, and, and country had like, they had rap battle back and forth. You had um, um, Oki from Muskogee, you know, yeah. just going, we don't do that hippie stuff, basically saying we don't do that hippie stuff around we here. We don't no take no trips on LSD. And I don't know what the band was, but another band came out with a hit single called Up Against the Wall, Red- Redneck Mothers. And it was set to the tune of Oki from Muskogee, but it was just like, you know describing describing a 30 year old drunk guy who's still going out and kicking hippies asses and making nothing of his life so you know there was there was oh uh, jerry jeff walker conversation back and forth Hmm. yeah well and speaking of conversations like i say this uh, kind of sifting social conversation that's unfolded on everyone wants to say social media like as though it's just one thing but it was unfolding on, on blogs, on news groups, probably even a little bit on Friendster back in the old days. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just it was one of those things that this idea of people reassessing all of these kind of um, forbidden ideas or, for that matter, conventional wisdom. Mm-hmm. A lot of the evolution that I've seen the left and the right undergo in the in the last, I would say, decade and a half, it's when i when i squint a little bit i see the seeds of that being hashed out in you know usually among people that were in high school at the time or or college at the time mm-hmm. who are now signing up 401k's who are right. starting to think you know guys this is kind of bullshit because if i got this right the you know insert republican party president uh, presidential candidate is advocating on this he's basically campaigning on this stuff but we all know that he's going to be doing X, Y, and Z. Democrat candidate inserted here. He's campaigning on this stuff, but we know he's also going to do X, Y, and Z. It's, right. it's like you have your choice between bullshit party R or bullshit party D. But the and that's differences why nobody between votes. them, they're not as big as you might think, you know? And Well, I've, I've, I make a lot of hay in arguing with both Republicans and Democrats, and, and I – love to remind them like people who are hardcore i'm a republican i'm a democrat i'm i'm towing the party line you know i don't care what anybody says you know that's me that's how i identify that's how i vote that's what i believe when uh, you know i believe my side of the story on everything those p i always remind them it's sort of smugly and and uh that hey you guys combined are about 40% of the country now. You, you, the people that are like, and that's not even the hardcores. That's the people who are like registered as a Democrat or registered as a Republican. Mm-hmm. You're, you're 40% of the country. The hardcores are probably more like 25% of the country. Mm-hmm. You know, 60% right. of the country is independent or non, non belonging to anything. And, but then I had another one of my friends who's greatly more informed on political data because he's a politician remind me, he's like, yeah, they may be only 40, 42% of the voters, but 
they're the people who go out to vote. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Nobody votes. <laughs> so they still hold sway, but it's I, I think younger people are actually like now feeling empowered enough to vote, you know, to where they're thinking like maybe I can do something and maybe they can if they can become a voting block and actually and you know well you know what not in even some what ways, side like they're the voting for if they get out and vote we'll start having a more healthy discussion because you'll have more people involved you know that's that's what i hope for well i mean honestly sometimes it comes down to the base and other times it comes down to the candidate but from the standpoint of the status quo and what's good for the corporate Democrat Party, I got to tell you, dude, one of the, like probably the worst thing that ha- that ever happened to them happened in 2015 when Bernie Sanders said, "Yeah, sure, I'll give it a shot." Yeah. And oh yeah, it doesn't matter that he didn't win. The fact no. is, there's blood in the water now. Right. And what, no, he set the set. He just set the basic ideas that the the non non corporate side of the left were going to champion you know the basic i mean well and that and I you think can that's win what on that do because that's why he was like i stopped watching anything bernie sanders said after a few months because he said the same thing he was he was well, he, yeah, he did have his, kind of a stump speech, yeah, but he he had a stump speech and he had his points that he wanted to make, and once you knew his points, that was what he was trying to get going. So you're like, okay, I'll watch this speech. Maybe he'll nuance this more. It's like, no, you're just gonna get the same sort of. It, I mean, Trump did the same thing. You know, th- this is what I'm doing. I'm gonna going to say it over and over again, and that's really what what works when you're dealing with large groups of people, especially when you're dealing with them face to face and sort of how you have to do it. And so I, you know, I don't, I have serious doubts if Bernie Sanders really like desires to be president, you know, (laughs) I, I I think that's kind of not, not even the point. The point is sometimes, um, sometimes just going out there and having, having the balls to try is, The victory isn't what does or doesn't happen when when all the votes are counted. Right. The victory happens four years from now or eight Down years or, or, or whatever. Eight, Twelve even. You, yeah. You know, I mean, sometimes what you need to do is just have a little bit of low time preference. The fact is, there's blood in the water now, mm-hmm. and the what the Democrat Party base discovered in twenty, I would say really more twenty sixteen to be honest, but. What they discovered is that, son of a bitch, we can win on this. You yeah, know, we don't need to be, we don't well, need to be that... a be a cartoon character like this Diet Coke uh, candidate that doesn't really st- stand for anything. Or can you know if 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 the focus groups change their tune tomorrow, then hey, there goes your favorite policy. They dis- and it's kind of weird that the left and the right kind of discovered that at about the same time. Now, obviously, it paid off more for the right, at least in 2016. Who knows about the future, but at least then. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that really does surprise me is about the the left is that at least for right now, there's a very 
real struggle that's happening in, in Washington right now. There are a lot of donors that are not getting what they want. It's been how many yeah. decades since the last time that happened? Now, no, I mean, I mean, everybody, all, all that, all that donor money to Hillary Clinton, as far as the donors concerned, are concerned. And but I mean, that's going to be the way it is with any election because they're donating to both parties. And that's all we've had to consume from is the corporate Democrats, corporate Republicans. They were the ones that here's the fight between these, you know, each candidate would be a representative of that. So that would be what you'd see. And 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 seeing something different that actually and 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 that, that was the thing about I think the difference with Bernie Sanders. Well, what with both Bernie Sanders and Trump from the other candidates was what they were presenting was was different, but it was not something that was toxic to people. It was, I mean, it's toxic to, in the partisan sense to either side, but it was, but they were putting out ideas that were toxic to either their their own parties. Yes. You know, that they were saying stuff that their own parties don't want to touch, that everybody, not everybody, but a good chunk of the population in those parties would like would like to have their parties touch on and the parties both would just are not going for it for a ten foot pole. They'll sort of pretend to but at the same time, everybody knows they ain't going to touch any of that stuff. So to have somebody come out and, and say it was just enough, you know, and it was probably, you know, it was Trump and Bernie Sanders. But if it if Trump and Bernie Sanders took a different path, it would have been somebody else, I think, just because of that meeting of where our society and government is at this point in technology you well, know, what that you what can I'll get say. that idea out, you know, and now. And so get, getting it out also doesn't depend on being tethered to ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, whoever, you know, you don't have to, you know, I mean, you, you can't just like you can't just get on Fox. You can't have Fox report on you if you're just right wing. You have to be right wing within the parameters that they're working on. So now those people who don't work within those parameters can, you know, get their get their support outside of it, and then Fox will go, oh, okay, and you know, they 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 have to get their ratings, and they they also have to, you know, work their base. And the same with you know MSNBC or whatever. They'll they they will absorb that stuff not you know i mean the the mainstream media doesn't like donald trump or bernie sanders really they they go out of their way to to take digs at him all, all the time or digs <laughs> or you know will attack him all the time but they love to have him on <laughs> you know or they love to have a story about him and they love to they love to have bernie sanders on you know to talk in a panel of people and stuff like that so well, a, that's different than it was, you know, that's something you did. You, you couldn't hear Bernie Sanders say something unless you were watching C-SPAN and watching him, you know, give testimony at Congress or something. Well, they, uh, there's an alternate universe 
out there somewhere where uh, election 2016 came down to Bernie Sanders and Jeb Bush. And I think you and I both kind of know how that would have played out. And I think the big story that came, that would have come out of that wouldn't have been, you know, how handy Sanders' uh, victor, uh, victory was. It would have been more specifically about who voted for him. Because there were a lot of elements. We dare not say what they are out loud. You know, because of Republican Party orthodoxy. But there would have been a lot of farmers. A lot of mechanics. There would have been a lot of... Um, maybe even churchgoers. Who's to say? A lot of people that are typically in the Republican Party column quietly pulling the lever for feel the burn and i think he would have won in some specifically if he'd been up against jeb bush he would have won in some very unlikely states and by that by that same token i think there were a lot of people who were democrats and even lefties and and probably probably skipping the middle of the left and going to like just like standard democrats and far lefties that 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 quietly pulled the tri- the trigger for Trump, you know. You I think I, so. I, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh I, I you know I I, um still, <laughs> um habitate and go to the go to the occupy places, you know, oh, yeah. and that's that's not the farthest far. It, well, there are elements of the farthest farthest left there, but it's fairly far over in the the left that you know. Their conversations are more in the like, you know, um, ba- baseline pay for everybody. You know, that's where that that's more of a like hot topic of conversation reality thing for that side. And there's a lot of people, not so much right now that are like supporting him, but up to the to the election who are like, oh, hell yeah, I would vote for him over Hillary Clinton in a second and would list, you know, cogent reasons within their belief, you know, within their belief system there. And, um, and, um, the, and a lot of people on the left end of libertarianism, Hmm. you know, I, I think that, and on the right end of, I think a lot of libertarians pulled the trigger for Trump. There's a lot of, there are a lot of people on the left who pulled the trigger for Trump because they were just like, yeah, let put the bull in the China shop, you know? There's nothing in there. Yeah, There's nothing in there worth preserving. Let him go in and 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 tear it all apart. You know, uh, you know, anarchists <laughs> might have been get voting for the first time in in many elections. So I think there. I I mean I think there was. I mean, Trump is the first uh, first populist president in my lifetime. I, I I guess maybe I guess Reagan. No 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 no. no. I don't want to hear. It. Sorry. No. I'm, I I got to get off the bus. You're driving. I'm sorry. Can't. No. I'm not. I am not by any means a Reagan fan. I really don't like Reagan. But I I guess he sort of. I mean he he. Well, he appealed to the populace for sure. I mean people love people loved him. People still love him. Even people who d- disagreed with him politically love him. But. I don't know if that was necessarily for the, you know, I was young enough that I wasn't paying attention and wouldn't know what populist policy was 
at that time. You know, all I knew at that point was, hey, it's a guy that's saying he's the guy from the bedtime for Bonzo movie. <laughs> and uh, I read a lot of underground comics that made fun of him because he was the governor of California when he was the governor of California was during hippie times. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I mean, I think Trump is the first populist president and you you don't get elected to be a populist president without like you know getting getting your toes wet from a little bit of everybody you know yeah i mean populist ideas are sort of the ideas that that cut through political parties in a lot of ways as you know there i mean there's a lot of people who would be like i'm a very conservative person but if you phrase the poll you know do you think that all people who live in America, you know, all American citizens should, you know, have their basic health care needs taken care of? You know, most most people say yes, you know, so. Or, you know, taking taking care of by, you know, a government program, a lot of, you know, most people say yes, and they might be very conservative, but they're not thinking of it in that framework at that point. They're just thinking of it from their you know, I'm a person point of view, you know, sort of thing. And whether it's well thought out or not, but that's just sort of how they, where it sort of comes into play. So yeah, Bernie Sanders appeals to that. And plus Bernie Sanders is everybody's just like, everybody's, he's that grandpa that's like, he's gotten old enough. He just doesn't, he doesn't give a shit. So he's not going to be like, you know, I'm not going to try and soft soap anything. This is this is the way it is. And people people love it. And I mean, come on, he and <coughs> he and Trump both. Ha I mean, both of them have thick New York accents of of, you know, of the more um, stereotypical kind. Well, it's not. Yeah, it is stereotypical, but. I mean, all the New York accent, various New York accents have their stereotypical thing. But like if Trump or Bernie Sanders had like a scar, like a nasally Scarsdale accent or something, they might not be as appealing. Both of them have sort, you know, Trump has it in that sort of like, I hate to say like mafia boss, but that's sort of like, hey, you know, hey, we're buddying around, you know. Hey, you know, you and me were, were playing golf, you know, this is fun. And Bernie Sanders is the guy, you know, at the at the bagel shop who's just like, oh, geez, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, always friendly and but just sort of like a little, little, little bit hyper and, and animated. And people love that shit, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, so much of politics and anything is 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 just going to be show business by the nature of of human brains and stuff so i don't yeah i'm i'm very i'm very curious for 2020 it's there's it's so up in the air i can't make i just can't make heads or tails of trying to predict anything you know it could it doesn't look like it looks like kanye's out of the picture but here comes the rock you know yeah <laughs> it, it, so it, it it's 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 going to be definitely exciting and and bizarre <laughs> <laughs> and and the and like 
if Bernie Sanders is going to win, just the battle to that point is going to be some spectacular shit, too, because the Democrats have looked like they've picked, I think they've got Gillibrand, Kamala Harris, and uh, Cory Booker are like looking like that's like what they're like, okay, this is what we're going with. And uh, yeah, there's there seems to be no consideration of Bernie, which means that means war with Bernie Sanders. And then it's like, do they, does Bernie Sanders win and run as a Democrat or does it get crazy? And then you have an independent candidate or does he go like, oh, OK, well, I won't run this time. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? I'm I'm. You know. And and I am I'm not one of those people who is just like, oh, yeah, Trump's not going to win. <laughs> he very well could win. That's Americans are Americans are notorious for going like, hey, he had one term. Give him two terms. He ain't going to get any more than that. <laughs> that seems to be our pattern, actually. You Especially know, lately. I mean, we haven't kicked out an incumbent in a pretty long time. Just 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 W senior, which is odd to me. Well, only because Bubba came in, and Bubba was real was a sh- was showbiz. Well, it, he was. My sense of Clinton, and keep in mind, I mean, I was in the sixth grade during that election, but you know, it never. I didn't see how Clinton was going to lose. Not like I was some kind of great political prognosticator or anything like that. But you know, what's that like that famous moment that everybody remembers about ni- the nineteen ninety two election? You know. That moment where uh, Bubba says, I feel your pain. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the thing is, number one, he did that in a very convincing and very persuasive kind of way. Number two, his own biography kind of gives him some kind of credibility with that. Number three, I mean, there was a, I don't know, there was, he was just, I don't know, like post Obama, it's kind of hard for a lot of people to, really think back to how good Bill Clinton really was as a campaigner. But the guy, he, he, he gave a good speech and he was always good at, I, I'm trying to find a way of not working, not, not, not propagandizing, but he was good at messaging. You know, yes. he knew what he needed to say to a particular crowd. That was what they needed to hear. And, you know, I realize this is a little bit of, um, I don't know a little bit of uh, perhaps heresy considering the state that I live in, but I've kind of got fond memories of the Clinton years, you know, I mean that. Well, that the, I, I mean, the economy was doing good. I was, ha- I was in, I was in college and, you know, having a, having a great time and stuff like that. And I was not paying attention. If I was paying attention to politics, I would have probably like been thrown fits about Bill Clinton Every once in a while, I would hear like from somebody lefty talking or something like, "Well, I don't like he's acting more like a Republican than he is a Democrat," and I'd be like, "Whatever." But I didn't, I wasn't paying attention to the new. It's only in the, it's only as I've gotten older and like, you know, been able to like, oh, let's look at the policy he did and and all that, and and not evaluate the, you know, I mean, when when. It was just like so obvious he was going to win because he had charisma. Bush had rolled a zero charisma, 
you know. Yeah, he's looking at his watch in the middle of debates and like town hall debates. Yeah, yeah, he's just he 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 was a a by the books politician, you know, very qualified ex CIA guy, kind of bureaucratic and just like no charisma and well he was like a high school not how you win in America especially after Reagan you know well he was kind of like a a high school principal like I remember there was some speech that he was given and I think it was I think it was about drugs or something it's like it's a scourge and it was it was all very repeat after me uh you know do as I say because I'm you know I'm the adult in the room whereas you know, Bill Clinton kind of he, he would joke about it. You know, yeah, but I didn't inhale. And yeah, yeah, he could he could improvise. <laughs> George George Bush improvising was just sort of a variation of George Bush reading a speech. But the, then there was also like, you know, I mean, your your regular Republican or Democrat corporate politician has uh, that all those advisors and people who are like look, you know, they're saying you're not funny enough or you're not charismatic enough. So we're going to write you some stuff to say to humanize you, which is always going to backfire because it's not that's not their way of communicating. And then you start putting those words. I mean, that's totally what happened uh, to Hillary Clinton. It's like, let's try to, like, make people think that you're like them. And so. It, we're gonna, you know, present you, you know, to say this and say this, and then they go out and they have their, you know, they're thinking, okay, I'm gonna say my thing now that makes people like me, and it's never that never works. That people should know that never worked in high school when kids were trying to, you know, get along with everybody else. That, that you know, and so then you get the when you get the politicians that are comfortable enough to embrace. their own personality and are writing on that it's just like irresistible candy in america you know for one of the things that for people that i'm really kind of grateful about with uh, 2016 um look anyone who's ever lived in texas for any great length of time you know the gossip factor here right so i don't want to get too specific but um I know somebody who happens to be friends with the Bush family. They've had a very strong presence in my home state for a very long time now. So mm-hmm. especially like, you know, the various industries and whatnot that I've worked in, they're kind of hard to avoid after a certain point, you know? So it's not like I've got some kind of special insider connection here. Like I say, if you, if, if you lived You're here in for, Texas, yeah, if you've <laughs> lived here for any long enough for, for long enough, you you know what the gossip here is like, you know? And so um, what I know for sure is that uh, the Thanksgiving and certainly Christmas in uh, the Bush family, which is to say like the H.W. Bush clan, that was mighty uncomfortable because Jeb lost. Now, it's one thing if you just never, if you never compete. You know, if you never go out there, you never try. Well, you can never win, but you can also never lose, so you're doing all right. But if you're going to go out there, and this is just the way that the power dynamic works in the Bush family. If you go out there, you win. Period. Right. No yeah. bullshit. You just win. That's, and, you know, that was, that was Barbara. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and 
Jeb didn't win. And now, the fact is, I mean, everyone's really too polite to really say. Decisively so, too. (laughs) Let's just put it that way. (laughs) Yeah, and so everyone's really too polite to say anything. Well, you gave it a good, you gave it a good run. Yeah, you gave it, you, you gave it your best shot. Yeah, you know, it, this was just a, how, how are you supposed to win this year, dude? It's 2016. It's a fucked up year, dude. Hey, no big deal. That's what they're saying. Did you saying. get the, did That's you get not, the idea though? Hmm? Did you, did you ever get the feeling though, that maybe the, the, if not a small part, a large part of him really didn't want to win, but like, oh, no, had no, no, to, no, no, had to give it um, the go. You know, I, Jeb. I almost felt like he didn't even try in no, some Jeb, way, or he, like he's not of he Texas. Stopped trying very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jeb isn't of Texas in the same way that W is. So right. you know, I mean, we don't have the same connection to him that we would say with W himself. Um. But having said that, you know, the family is still they've got a strong presence here and. This is something that Jeb has wanted for a very long time. And, you know, I mean, the fact is, as a governor, he's not bad. I'll give him that. You know, is he really presidential material? I don't know. But he was never a bad governor. But it was just he never got the timing of it right. And the thing is, this is a family where winning counts. You know, they are extremely competitive with one another, the the Bushes are. And so, um, the the first uh, the first Christmas after uh, W one, he came home and he greets his dad. Hey, Mr. President, how you doing? His dad answers, I'm doing good, Mr. President. How are you doing? And you know, it was this joke between the two of them. You know, Jeb wanted that, and he didn't just get denied. He got the shit denied out of him. Yeah. And that affects his standing in the family. I mean. It's kind of sad to think that, you know, there are families out there who judge each other in these kinds of ways, but that's oh, fucking what I've happened. I've seen it. I, I, I played tennis against this kid in the, in our – it was just our town tennis league for kids. You know, it, was not, it wasn't even through a school like intramurals or anything. It was just something to do during the summer, and his family would come to cheer him on. The whole family would come to cheer him on, and if he lost – he was not allowed if he won they they took him out for ice cream and like basically carried him home on you know up on their shoulders if he lost they all walked away and he had to go home you know later alone (laughs) they just they just left (laughs) if he if he lost and and part of that was probably them they were so competitive they were trying to psych his opponents out because you felt so bad for him yeah you know and uh but yeah, I, but I don't know. I wish, uh, you know, I don't know if it factors into the the Bush family's perception of the world. But I think this election pretty much was decisively said that people are really not interested in having anybody be president whose name is, you know, that's related to somebody who's been president recently. You know, I, I just don't think. The name Clinton and the name Bush are like powerful. I don't think there's, I don't think there's the power and dynasty in America that there used to be. You know, if, if, well, when if was it there ever, ever? I mean, look, only, only recently, and that, that had people did people like. I think people were sort of happy with the Clintons during the Clinton presidency. 
but it has not aged well for every, you know, for, for people. You don't hear many liberal people talking about how they wish the Clinton era would come back. You know, things were like they were in the Clinton days, you know. And you, you're not hearing at the same time, you're not hearing a lot of Republicans wishing for the George W. Bush days or the, the H.W. Bush days. Maybe on the like more like, um, you know, it, like um, what is his name? Will, um, the, the editorial writer, he's, you know, sort of more George of Will? like George Will. Yes. More on the George Will side you know oh, and kids might go like i, no I, I wish hw is back you know i could hear like someone like george w- will say that but you don't hear a lot of nostalgia for the clintons and the bushes from the right or the left so <laughs> you know yeah i i just don't think putting putting two of them in an election was it obviously did not work out well for either of them well, and that's the other thing. In a way, it was delightful to me. <laughs> yeah, and that was the other thing. I mean, you know, two dynasties. Think about this. Two separate dynasties got served in 2016. And honestly, on that basis, I'm, I think I'm okay with how things turned out. You know, considering the alternative. I'm okay with I'm, that. Yeah. Um, well. Uh, yeah. Okay, so uh, how about those UFOs, huh? So, now, do you have anything uh, like parting shots about UFOs <laughs> you want to throw in? <laughs> I, I really think there's a fat. I, 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 I'd love, I'd love for the drama of disclosure to happen. I really, you know, goes right in the fat chance category for me. Even, especially, I, I just think the Blink 182 guy is gonna mess it up. I don't think, I, I don't like his music, and I don't think he's. I, I don't trust his his disclosure. I think he's setting disclosure back. Well, the only reason that I think disclosure, <clears throat> we have a higher chance of it now than we did before, is the JFK document dump went through. The world didn't end. You know, no one you know burned everything down to the ground. Life has gone on. And so, if there's anything to be disclosed. I think we have a better chance of uh, hearing about it now than we would, say, two years ago, you know? So, maybe maybe I'm just wrong about it. I hope so. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I'd, I, I'd like to. I just, I'm too cynical. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the JFK dump is also, like, a mixed bag of, didn't, didn't they just deny the second the second wave of, like there was another way like a bunch of stuff came out and like the jfk researchers were like oh, okay yeah we know all this stuff and well, then uh, the final dump i think was made a couple of days ago and this is this true they, oh, what i thought they it happened that's what i th- i thought i heard you see i don't really i i just saw i just saw it in passing on facebook that i saw that it was like blocked or what was not going to happen no, the thing I saw said that, yeah, the, you know, they basically, this last dump from a couple of days ago, it was like a few hundred pages of documents, <clears throat> or several, sorry, several hundred pages of documents. This really was cleaning out the vault now. They don't have anything else That's that it. hasn't been made public. So whatever it is that the government knew, and I, I think there have been like some very small, minor redactions, but otherwise everything that the government knew 
it's out there now. So, you know, basically we just have to wait for the people that have this kind of uh, time uh, endurance, I guess, to work yeah. their way through like several thousand pages of documents. I mean, it's one thing to say that the information I know some is out people there. like that. Well, I know some researcher, writer people like that who, you know, when they get interested in stuff, they start getting loose leaf folders and filling them with articles and research. So well, there definitely will be no no um, dearth of of people going over it with a fine tooth comb for sure. So that's really just the main reason that I think that there's a better chance. Put it that way. So mm-hmm. now. As to next time, what uh, you and I kind of hashed out is that we're gonna we're gonna talk about artificial intelligence. We're gonna talk about AI next time, but that is gonna be, I guess, in eight weeks' time. So I think that's pretty much it for us this week. So bye, everybody. I will see you next week. Woohoo! <laughs> that was a fun story. Okay, so I think that's just about the end of that. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a proud member of the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. You can find the home for Trennis Magnus Punches Reality on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. There you can interact with your fellow listeners and also see notifications of new episodes when I put them up. You can friend me on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus, which is spelled T-R-E-N-T-U-S-M-A-G-N-U-S. You can email me and my parole officer at TrentusMagnus at gmail.com. Do you have a suggestion for a topic? Feel free to email me, and I might consider thinking about the possibility of potentially discussing whatever you have in mind someday. And that's a promise. Do you have a podcast of your own? If so, why not record a promo for me to play on my show? It's quick, easy, and can help you spread the word about your show. I'm always looking for more promos to play. Keep it fairly short, and yours could be next. My promos can be found at this show's homepage for those interested. Just look for the promos section. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at twotruefreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, Two True Freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the Two True Freaks at the same time. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes. And you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. 
If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. The contents of this podcast are fictitious, hypothetical, and probably completely unnecessary. Any similarity to living persons or real-life events is purely coincidental and void where prohibited by law, some assembly required, batteries not included. The white zone is for passenger loading and unloading only. All models are over the age of 18. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a Magnus Media Enterprises Limited production in association with Demanzacor of Milan, Italy. <laughs>